So, welcome to the Intertake London podcast. Here we are now, well over 2,000 members of Intertake London and absolutely enjoying our role at the centre of the InsurTech community, both here in London and globally. So on today's podcast, I'm really pleased to welcome back Nick Martin. Nick was our first podcast guest back in November of last year and also spoke at our recent event on investing in InsurTech and was really very helpful in explaining to the audience what the different aspects of InsurTech investment meant. So Nick, for those who may not know you, please give us a brief introduction. Great. Um, many thanks, Paolo. Yeah, I've been an institutional investor in the global insurance sector now for, uh, for over 15 years. And uh, really over the last sort of 18 months or so, I've been taking a very keen interest in what's happening all in InsurTech, not just in London, but on a global basis. And that includes mentoring on a couple of the accelerated programs uh, in London, including Startup Bootcamp and Accenture's Fintech Innovation Lab. And, and, and that's very interesting, Nick, and I know a plan for a future podcast is to really actually talk about those accelerators and how they're valuable for both the startups and for mentors such as yourself. So I look forward to, to welcoming you and a number of other guests to, to that podcast some point in the future. Fantastic. Today, uh, we have a very relevant topic, something that comes up in, in, in continuously in discussions, and that's the, the topic of AI and machine learning. So... What we'll, we'll learn today, really, is you know, what they are, also the difference between the two, and I think most importantly, the implications for the insurance industry. So maybe, actually, the best place to start is, you know, what is artificial intelligence? What is machine learning? The, the terms are often used interchangeably, but Nick, talk us through whether or not there's a difference between them. Yeah, I mean, there absolutely is. I mean, the, the, these terms get banded about quite a bit, and I think it's quite helpful to just take a step back and, and trying to understand you know, what, what forms part of, uh, of what definition. And I think the best way to start is to think about artificial intelligence uh, as a broad concept of, of a machine being able to carry out tasks in a way that we ourselves would consider smart. And if you think about it, you know, AI has been around for uh, a very long time. The first time most of us have probably heard about AI was when Deep Blue, which was developed by IBM, um, which was a chess-playing computer, actually beat Gary uh, Kasparov. Now, that was back in 1996, and the development of Deep Blue itself actually began in 1985. Um, probably another notable landmark that, that many people will, might remember is the, the Terminator uh, film that came out in 1984, which was all about Skynet's machines taking over the world and ending humanity. Indeed, and, and there I, I remember very clearly thinking, oh, you know, how, can a, how can a robot think like that? How can a computer think like that? And, of, of course, so much of that is, is coming true. So th- th- that's artificial intelligence. How about the machine learning? What, what's that of the term? How does that fit in? Yeah, so machine learning is really a current application of, of AI that's based around the idea that we should really just be able to give machines access to data and then let them learn for themselves. So whilst machine learning is often described as a subdiscipline of AI, I think it's probably better to think of it as the, as the current state-of-the-art field of AI, which today is showing the most promise of providing industry and society uh, with things that will drive change. And previously, AI was largely rule-based. You know, programmers would, would develop algorithms for machines to follow. Therefore, the, the, the success of that all depended on the quality of the programming and therefore was susceptible for the, the garbage in, garbage out. Now, however, machine learning uses what's called neural networks, which teach computers to think and understand in the world in the same way that our brains work. Now, machines, therefore, can be taught, for example, to recognize images. It really works on, the, on a system of probability. So based on the data that's fed into it, 
It's able to make statements, decisions or predictions with a degree of certainty. Now, the, the addition of a feedback loop enables, a, uh, enables actually learning. So the machine, by sensing or being told whether its decisions are right or wrong, can therefore modify the approach it then uses in future iterations of, of, of the program. Okay, yeah, so that, that makes sense. It's more than just, you know, sort of the, the classic, is it right, is it wrong, black or white, that, that maybe we're used to the way, the way computers think. So uh, I, I guess it's very clear then why it's easy for, for the two terms to, to get confused, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean the example that, that I always use is, is, is say you want your computer to be able to identify a cat. So using the old AI techniques, a program would design rules uh, that would actually tell the computer how to identify that cat. So it'd look for ears, look for noses or whiskers and fur, and all those characteristics that would enable it to accurately identify a cat. Then machine learning, in contrast, uses data you know, rather than the rules. So instead, you would give the computer thousands of pictures, all labelled cats, and thousands of pictures, all labelled non-cats, and then let the neural network work out which is which. So success in machine learning is therefore a function of the quantity and accuracy of the data that's actually put into that system. That's why machine learning is often prevalent in discussions of big data. Right, and that, that makes sense then in terms of what we're hearing, for example, that, that Google is very able to understand, for example, what human beings think the definition of the Easter Bunny is, because whenever you type Easter Bunny into Google, dependent on which pictures you select, that seems to, from the, the computer learned that that's what the human is, is recognising. Absolutely. So, so, so basically you're saying that machines are learning to, to retech, they're learning to recognise images? That's it, and, and this is extremely powerful. So one statistic um, to give you, the Ministry of Defence estimates that by 2020, 90% of what happens in the physical world will be described in unstructured web text. Uh, and that's not all. So there's another field of, of AI that, that's called natural language processing. And this has become a source of uh, some hugely exciting innovation in recent years, and one that's heavily reliant on machine learning. So natural language processing applications attempt to understand natural human communication, you know, whether that's written or spoken, and therefore uh, it turns around and communicates that, that back, in, back to us through natural language. So think about chatbots, or, or, or probably more, more, uh, more exciting, something like Amazon uh, Alexa product. Yes, and, and I think this, I, I'm a great believer that, that voice, now that it's, it's working the way you're saying, now that... Um, the, the computer starting to understand is really going to be one of the, the exciting technologies of the, the next couple of years. So it's, it's interesting then that you've explained that the, the natural language processing and, and AI sit behind it. So we have AI, we have machine learning, we have big data, we have NLP. So uh, yeah, there, there's an endless list of these things. Another one that we're hearing a bit about recently is, is deep learning. How does that fit in the <laughs> context of all this? Well, you're, you're, really, you're really testing the extent of my knowledge now, um, Paolo. So I think think of machine learning as really the cutting edge of AI. Um, deep learning is the cutting edge of the cutting edge. You know, it's really an extension of of machine learning. So instead of you inputting thousands of pictures of cats in, into your program, you actually input in much bigger, broader data sets such as Google's image library or millions of tweets. And therefore, deep learning is really something that's applied to any form of data. Okay, well, I, I guess we'll slowly see that becoming becoming ever more important, therefore start to understand it better. So, good, in, invaluable overview. Now, of course, what's, what's interesting is how can 
this be applied to insurance? So what applications are you seeing in the insurance space? Um, well, there, there are many, and I'm sure you know, new applications are being worked on um, all of the time. So one maybe more obvious example might be the use of image recognition of, say, um, uh, damaged cars within the auto claims process. Um, AI can also be used to enhance client engagement, provide better insight, and fraud is another common application. And I think we're also beginning to see AI being used in underwriting systems too. Um, just to, something that's quite topical at the, at the moment is, is, is AIG have just re- appointed a new CEO, um, Brian Dupero, and he has put technology at the forefront uh, of his new strategy you know, for that company. And, and I would be willing to bet that AI will likely be you know, a large focus w- w- within that new strategy. AIG are actually working with uh, Two Sigma, which is an investment firm that puts science and information at the heart of its investment process. And AIG has stated that it's committing $250 million over the next five years to develop a next generation underwriting platform you know, in partnership with Two Sigma. Yes, so the Two Sigma example is, is an interesting one. I know there's a lot of people who are, are keeping an eye out to see how that develops and sort of wondering whether that's going to be... Yeah interesting but no big deal or actually if it's going to sort of be the the basis for the future way that, that we underwrite. The, your, your point about uh, use of image recognition damaged cars is, is a very interesting one. I've seen a live demo of, of that and how just using a, a smartphone pointing at different areas of damage the, the phone is able to, well, the, the, the software is able to tell you whether the, the car needs to go to a garage, whether actually it's fine to, to drive it home and have it fixed there, or whether actually, you know, don't touch it, it's probably damaged enough that it would be dangerous to drive. And I think that starts to, to be of you know, real value to, to, to car owners if they're unlucky enough to be in a, in a small shunt. So the, you, you, you mentioned AIG and what they're doing, and obviously AI being a big field requires deep pockets. What, what about the startups? Is anyone being brave in that space? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of activity uh, in in the startup uh, community all around um, AI. I think it's it's almost inevitable that the startups themselves are very keen to include buzzwords like AI and machine learning um, and, and other similar terms in their business plans. But actually, you know, most of them, from what I can see, have some merit to it. Uh, according to Accenture, you know, AI was one of the most popular insurtech investment themes in, in 2016, um, responsible for over $500 million worth of um, investment. Um, as I mentioned at the start, I, I mentor on the Startup Bootcamp Accelerator program, and the last cohort just actually had their, their demo day uh, back in April, and nine of the 11 companies that presented had some form of AI in, in their business plan. So. One example for you would be aerobotics, which is applying AI to aerial photos of farms to better provide uh, crop insurance, which is very important today in a world where, where clearly there's, there's growing populations, and particularly in, in, in for vulnerable communities that are often uh, dependent on, on that agriculture. Another example um, that, that, that's not at, that's outside of the startup boot program is Cytora. Uh, that they are they're fusing two things together firstly that the deep risk modeling expertise that we often see within the insurance industry so they're hiring from the likes of rms and, and cap modeling companies 
and they're fusing that with, with, with machine learning and natural language processing expertise, largely coming from, from Cambridge University. And what they're doing is, is transforming billions of online data points into better risk selection and pricing um, advantage tools for insurers. You know, and this is very powerful stuff when, as I said before, you know, the MOD thinks that within a few years, almost all that happens in that physical world that we live in will be described by unstructured web text. You know, it gets even more interesting when you add you know, the further insights that, that come beyond just that pure web text and actually from images and video um, as well. Good. And, and that makes sense. And what I'm very pleased that you're you're saying is actually there's some validity to to these startups referring to um, to their use of AI. I think there's a, a lot of people slightly cynically out there that think, oh, you know, people are, are chucking AI into a description of how they work because that adds a, another half a million onto their valuation or whatever <laughs> it might be. But it's it, it's good that they're genuinely using it. And I think also encouragingly, as a as an incumbent, you know, you say, oh well, I'm not uh, AIG. I can't spend hundreds of millions on this. But actually. If the, the technology is accessible enough that a small startup can can get to it, then there's no reason, frankly, that, that any organisation can't. So I, I suspect we'll be talking over, over the, the months to come of sort of AI as a service. Now, um, that's all, all incredibly exciting. Now, what, what about the challenges? Um, is, uh, is this all just straightforward or actually is there some things people need to, to bear in mind? Well, I, I think at the moment, you know, currently AI is quite specific in application. You know, so I mentioned something like fraud before. Uh, and I think, you know, if companies use, start to use other applications, so things like pricing and risk assessment, you cannot simply just have a, a black box kind of approach. I mean, AI is a, is a potentially wonderful tool, but actually the end user needs to be able to provide, you know, explanations, you know, internally, to, you know, to their colleagues. They need to provide, you know, justification of pricing to customers uh, and uh, you know, probably just as important uh, to, to regulators um, uh, as well. Also, we know that there is there is no value in, in prediction if you can't act on it. So, you know, it's the action that actually creates the, the value. So we, we, we need to see that. And and almost inevitably, you know, things like data leaks are, are going to be worries for, for customers. And that's likely to impede the extent that AI will, will be used to, 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 to some degree. Uh, yeah, the other question that, 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 that needs probably some more thought out there is how much responsibility does, does the designer of the AI have when it comes to those black box type of outcomes? Because, you know, without responsibility, can you really have an insurance product um, around AI? So some, some things to think about there. Yes, and I, I look forward to the discussion in, in the months to come in, in engaging the sort of the, the AI experts, the carriers and the regulator, because where the the, the regulator has an expectation that, that the underwriter can articulate how he or she has, has reached a price, the, um, the more the AI, as, as you say, as a black box is deciding things, it's going to be quite hard to, to articulate why. So I, I think there'll be some, some interesting discussions in, in the relatively near future. So that's AI, that's machine learning, a, a, an excellent overview. Thank you very much. Is, is there anything else on the horizon or can we just sort of focus on AI for the next couple of years? Uh, well, 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 there is. I mean, there's always, there is always progress. So, uh, you know, so there's something out there actually called um, uh, quantum computing, which, which probably could be a topic of a, of a whole different podcast. But just to give you a, a slight teaser on that, quantum computers rely on naturally occurring quantum mechanical phenomena as, as opposed to traditional computers which are really binary digital electronic machines that, that rely on, on transistors. 
and uh, and what what happens with quantum computing is actually modeling complex problems just got a whole lot easier so so think about modeling things like the environment weather systems you know these, these are very very complex and actually are hugely significant of course you know to the insurance industry which actually obviously ensures all of the uh, uh, risks associated with, with the wind blowing and the earth shaking and various other natural catastrophe uh, disasters. Okay, well then we, we, we definitely need to have a discussion on that in, in the months to come. I think it underlines how the, it, it's not just a case of getting more data, but it's having the, uh, the ability to analyse it first with AI, then maybe if quantum computing is a way to cope with sort of orders of magnitude more data, that's going to, to give us an ever clearer understanding of, of the risk to hopefully mitigate it where possible, but where that isn't possible to, to help underwriters really understand and price appropriately. So thank you very much for, for that overview, Nick. If people want to reach out to you or, or sort of follow what you're up to in the world, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at nickmart underscore insure, or, or I'm available on LinkedIn as well. And I just want to say, Paolo, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to, to come back and, and speak on the podcast again. I hope it's going to be a bit of interest to the Instech London community um, and beyond. You know, these are really excited times for our industry, and I'm very proud to, to be a small part of it. Good. Well, well, thank you, Nick. Just thinking then about what, what is coming up. So from a podcast point of view, we'll, we'll be speaking soon about the DIA event that happened recently in Amsterdam. We will be speaking to the CEO of Tapali, one of the exciting new startups. In terms of real-world events, we'll be looking uh, in June at what's actually going on with the incumbents in the, in the London market, so not, not purely the startup side, but actually what are some of the, the big and medium-sized companies doing. Now, to, to keep track of all this, if you're not already signed up, please go to simply instech.london online and sign up, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you, Nick. Thank you.